This is Speaking of Writers on Capital Region Sunday. I'm Steve Richards. Grab your drumsticks, put on your favorite Talking Heads album, and revel in Remain in Love, Talking Heads Tom Tom Club Tina by Chris France. It's the engaging, enchanting, and eye-opening inside story of the Talking Heads by drummer and co-founder Chris France. In Remain in Love, France takes readers to the rooms where the songs were born when he wrote Psycho Killer with David Byrne and then girlfriend Tina Weymouth to the stages of late 70s New York, where the crowd included the likes of Lou Reed, Andy Warhol, Debbie Harry, to the founding of Tom Tom Club, and inside his relationships with the love of his life, Weymouth, and mercurial frontman David Byrne. Happy to have Chris France join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Chris, welcome to this program. Well, thank you very much. So first off, why this book for you now? Well, you know, uh, I'm of a certain age. Um, I'm almost getting to be an elder statesman. <laughs> so so uh, I thought uh, I better get, I better do it now. You know, while I still have all my marbles. I, I thought I had a unique story to tell, and uh, I'd actually been wanting to do it for a long time, but but I I, I just kept procrastinating. But then I, I decided. A few years ago, I decided I, I can't procrastinate anymore, you know. So so here we are with my memoir. The memoir, Remain in Love, Talking Heads, Tom Tom Club, and Tina by Chris France. Okay, let's, let's, let's go way back here. You guys first met at the Rhode Island School of Design. David was a student there. He had, he had dropped out after the first year, but he was still in, in Providence. Uh, hanging hanging out with with various students and uh, Tina had transferred to RISD from Barnard College after I think one year at Barnard. Well, I gravitated towards Tina and and I also it, in one way and I gravitated towards David in a more uh, shall we say musical way. Uh, we we all became very good friends and did some great work together. So. I'm happy to be able able to tell the tale. Chris, what was your first impression of David Byrne? We didn't have any classes together, so I didn't really know David. But but he was, uh, shall we say, an outsider type of individual. There were a number of those at, at the Rhode Island School of Design. David was not alone in that respect. But, you know, he had a, a, a big beard, kind of a rest. Putin-like beard, you know, yeah. or or just maybe John Brown, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and very short, closely cropped hair that I, I I would guess he probably cut himself. And he wore sort of like clothes from the thrift store, you know. But then he dropped out of school, and he, uh, like I said, I didn't really know him. But he uh, he traveled around the country for a while, and then he came back. When he came back, he had a whole different look. It, it, he had bleached his hair very blonde. It was kind of like in a you know James Dean style haircut, yeah. And uh, uh, which contrasted with his very dark, bushy eyebrows. He, he was wearing you know leather trousers and had a much more rock and roll look. Uh, we got we got together. At, at the request of a, um, a mutual friend who was making a student film about his girlfriend getting run over by a car, and he needed some some music to go with that particular scene of the 
the poor girl getting run over by the car. He wanted something very cacophonous and dissonant. I said, great, uh, meet me at Tina's carriage house, where Tina had a little apartment, and uh, that's, that's where I keep my drums, and we can record it there. And he said, uh, do you mind if I bring along a friend of mine who plays guitar? And I said, sure, that would be great. So the, his, his friend was David Byrne. David and I did the music for the scene, the cacophonous, dissonant, crescendoing music, and then faded it, faded it out. I think we probably got in the, in the first take. <laughs> uh, afterwards, I said, you know, David, I've been trying to start a new band here. Would you be interested in, in uh, starting a band here? Just, you know, not, not serious, just to entertain our friends and play at parties and you know, dances and things like that. He said, I think so. We started a little band, and, uh, of course, Tina was there for this whole thing, and I was trying to get her to join the band from those early days. But she quite rightly said, you know, no, it's, it's going to be, that would be too too difficult. The rock and roll is such a boys' club, a, a guy thing. But she said, but I'll support you in your in any way I can help. So she ended up writing, co-writing Psycho Killer that David brought to our studio. And I also contributed some lyrics. We All of a sudden, we had, at least I had an epiphany that this was a really good and unique chemistry, and we should go further with it. We, we all moved to New York. It, it still took me quite some time to convince Tina to joined the band, but one day she came walking into our, our loft on the Lower East Side with this Fender Precision bass, you know, and she'd been buying it $5 a day, $5 a week on layaway. It's a, a beautiful electric bass. She still didn't have an amp, but it was a start. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Chris Franz here on Speaking of Writers. His new book is Remain in Love, Talking Heads, Tom Tom Club, and Tina. You mentioned that epiphany. So that moment when you knew it was something special was when you played Psycho Killer for the first time? Yes, we weren't even really playing it. We were in, in our painting studio. Uh, Tina and I shared a painting studio on campus at RISD. And David came to our studio, knocked on the door, said, I've got a song I've written that's uh, kind of inspired by or in the style of Alice Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Alice Cooper was very big at the time, I, I, with a record called Billion Dollar Baby. Yes. I think it was the number one album. We weren't necessarily fans, big fans of Alice Cooper, but we, we dug the whole... Uh, horror and guillotines on stage and all that. But that was pretty funny. David played, uh, started to play the song that he was working on, and uh, he had the verse and the chorus, and then he wanted a bridge that was in another language to signify some kind of psychotic disassociation or something like that. And so Tina, who, whose mother is French, uh, and Tina, she speaks French very well, she wrote the bridge in French for him. And then I wrote a couple more verses. And then we had a song. And it, and it, all within a few hours, it indicated to me that, I mean, David was just playing it on an acoustic guitar. We didn't really have the band working it yet. But it sounded 
so promising to me that I, uh, you know, I thought, this is it. We can do this. I want to talk to you about the uh, love of your life, Tina Weymouth. What was the feeling like the first time you saw her? One of great uh, attraction. I, I, I felt like, um, well, I describe it in the book as, as seen in a, a movie by Francois Truffaut. The lovely girl goes very fresh and vivacious, goes riding by on her bicycle, you know. And, and that's exactly what happened. You know, went riding by where I was sitting on a bicycle, and I just thought, she, she had transferred in from Barnard, as I said, so she was one of the new kids. I'd never seen her before, and I thought, wow. You know, and then as I got to know her very gradually, as I got to know her, I found out she was also, a, you know, had a keen intelligence and a very sly wit. So, so I really enjoyed that. The, the whole combination to me was kind of perfect. Chris France is my guest here on Speaking of Writers. Remain in love. Talking Heads, Tom Tom Club, and Tina. I want to talk to you about uh, some of your touring partners and uh, bands and artists that you encountered over the years. Let's start with the Ramones. What were they like? Well, the Ramones were pretty nutty, but uh, they were an awesome band. I mean, they, they were, to me, the Ramones were kind of like, especially at first, they seemed like they might be a conceptual art project. They had these very short, you know, one and, one and a half minute long songs, played at a very uh, fast tempo and very loud. In their early shows, they, I, I even, I witnessed them stopping in the middle of a song and arguing about it. Like, they, one person wasn't playing it right. Or Dee Dee would say to Johnny, no, Johnny, I don't want to play I Don't Want to Go Down to the Basement. I want to play I Don't Want to Walk Around with You. So it was, uh, it was they were very intense, you know, from Forest Hills, Queens, all, all four of them. Yeah. Uh, we ended up going on tour with them, not once, but several times. The first, first tour, which was the first tour we ever did, um, with Talking Heads was uh, a tour of the UK and Europe, and I, I write about that in, in some detail in my book. Chris, what about Patty Smith? What was she like? Patty was uh, not the friendliest person to us, but but she was cool. You know, um, uh, an amazing performer, really uh, really gifted. You know, I can I can. Truthfully, say that there were times when she made the hair on the back of my neck kind of perk up. <laughs> I didn't didn't really know her. We were closer to members of her band, like uh, Lenny Kay and the drummer J.D. Darty and uh, Ivan Crawl. But Patty Patty never got close to us. Lou Reed. Lou Reed. Uh, I, I write about several experiences we had with Lou Reed, but he. He was uh, one of our heroes, you know, musical heroes, in Velvet Underground, and he had recently had that hit with Walk on the Wild Side, and, you know, he was sort of godlike to us, I guess you could say. And then he came to one of our shows, befriended us. But we had an interesting relationship with him, with him in that we supported each other musically, but we never really wanted to get involved in, a, in any kind of uh, official way. Although Lou did play on a Tom Tom Club record, 
when we covered his song from Atal. Chatting with Chris Franz here on Speaking of Writers, his new book is Remain in Love, Talking Heads, Tom Tom Club, and Tina. What is your relationship, uh, if any, right now with David Byrne? And has he read the book? Has he given you any feedback? Have you heard anything? When I, when I uh, asked earlier to send him some galleys, actually, uh, uh, my publisher asked if he would like to see them. And, and his response was that, no, I don't need to see them. I don't want to see them because if I haven't seen them, then when people ask me what I, what, what I think of it, I can just tell them, I ha- I'm sorry, I haven't read it. <laughs> <laughs> typical typical David? Pardon me? Is that typical David? Well, that, that, that's, uh, yeah, I would say that's fairly typical. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, uh, I, uh, there's a copy on the way to, Je- winging its way to Jerry out in California right now. Let's talk about CBGB, that special place. You're really your home club. Your first show there had an audience of, what, about 20 people. What was that place like for you guys? It became kind of like a uh, an incubator at first to, to all these, not just us, but all those young bands, uh, the Ramones, Television, Blondie, Patti Smith. It was, it was where we were, we were able to uh, develop our stagecraft and and if you messed up, it wasn't so terrible because there weren't that many people there to see it. <laughs> uh, but then gradually the bands got better, and also the audiences got larger until uh, eventually, you know, there were lines out the door and, and down the block on a, on a good night. And and um, uh, it was it was a place where we could then you know, springboard out into the rest of the world. And uh, and the, the owner, Hilly, w- was very smart in that, Hilly Crystal, very smart in that he, he uh, allowed, if you had ever performed there as a, as a band member or as a musician, then you didn't have to pay the admission fee at the door. You could just come in for free. And, and if the bartender like you, you, you might get a free drink or a free beer or something like that. And so it, so it was a, a gathering place for all these young bands, even on the nights that they weren't playing. And it, it became a real cool hangout. Do you miss the band, miss performing? Sometimes, yes. Other times I think to myself, ah, you've got it made, just, just relax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I... Uh, you know, Talking Heads was was a. I said it before, but the chemistry of the band was such that there was nobody quite like us before or since. We were unique unto ourselves, and I know there's a lot of people out there that would like to see that happen, happen again. You know, but but we'll see. I, I, I'm David's been pretty adamant that he's not interested, and and you know I I can understand it. He's got a a Broadway show full of Talking Heads songs to do. (laughs) Chris France, the book is Remain in Love, Talking Heads, Tom Tom Club, and Tina. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. It was a great pleasure.